Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. I want to talk to you in this podcast about something rather unusual. It's very rare for me to speak specifically to Christians and to churches in these podcasts. I'm usually very broad. I usually speak to a wide variety of religious perspectives, uh, even by name. And uh, yet this time, I want to talk about the tragedy of silent churches, the tragedy of silent churches. And probably this is going to take more than one podcast, so we'll just turn this into a series. What do I mean by the tragedy of silent churches? One of the things that has really grieved me in recent years is the way that many churches, now other institutions of faith do this as well, but mainly um, Protestant churches, uh, evangelical churches in particular, um, are silent on social issues. You can attend an evangelical church, a Protestant church, um, a conservative church on a Sunday while uh, Ferguson is in flames. Um, while ISIS is, uh, you know, murdering people and murdering specifically Christians, um, while racism is spilling over our, in our streets, while uh, corruption is happening in Washington, D.C., um, while privacy is being violated, um, and there are huge moral uh, issues happening in our society from abortion to gay rights to um, uh, racism uh, to rape on campuses, uh, and that's not even considering some of the philosophical and maybe we might call them biblical worldview issues that uh, might be in curriculums and schools and so on. I mean, all sorts of things, wide variety of things. You can attend a, an evangelical or conservative church while these things are uh, hot in our society, uh, in uproar, in tumult in our society, and absolutely hear no reference to them whatsoever. And I think this is a tragedy. And since I am a Christian and I am an evangelical and I am conservative, uh, both biblically and uh, to the right, just to the right uh, of center politically, um, I want to speak to this a little bit. Now, how did we get in this situation? I want to suggest that there are three main reasons, three main uh, forces that pushed us into this situation where we actually can have churches that extol scripture the same scripture that call for call the same scriptures that call for social action um, and yet um, these churches will be silent uh, during horrendous cultural upheaval in our society well there are three basic reasons one uh, is that just after the Reformation in history, and if you don't know much about the Reformation, I suggest you at least do a Google search, at least read Wikipedia, uh, at, at least you know do a little bit of reading, and then of course there's some wonderful books on the Reformation uh, that you can pick up, but, but get just briefly educated about it. But essentially, this is when, um, under the influence of men like Martin Luther and John Calvin, um, the Protestant movement was born, and there was a breach in the Christian church between Catholic and Protestant. Protestants wanting to move away from a lot of the traditionalism of churches, a lot of the teaching of the Roman Catholic churches, the authority of the Pope, etc., many, many of what the Protestants considered abuses. Well, the, at that time, the problem arose that Lutheran, Calvinist churches, what we might call Reform or Protestant churches, um, were very, very politically active. This is largely because of the politics at the time. You would have um, a duke, for example, in Germany, and he would become a Protestant, and so he would begin 
begin to exert political influence for for Protestantism, and he would speak to the emperor. And so the faith, the Christian faith, got very much involved. I'm talking about the Protestant side of the Christian faith, got very much involved in uh, political matters, much as the Roman Catholic Church, of course, had always been involved in uh, political matters and even dominated political matters. Well, there were some who reacted to this in the Protestant movement. They're called the left wing of the Reformation, um, or more broadly, the Anabaptists. Um, They said, let's not be involved in the affairs of this world. Let's not uh, be preoccupied with politics and governors and emperors and popes and uh, the authorities of this world. Um, Let's do the deeds of Jesus. Let's meet in small groups. Let's read our Bibles. Let's watch each other's feet to have the Lord's Supper. Um, Let's serve each other. Um, let's work out holiness in practical ways. Now, I think any Christian has to accept that that private, personal, small group side of Christianity is valid and essential. Um, however, what happened is that you began to have a move that lasted many, many uh, years. In fact, it, I think there's a case that you could say it lasted centuries. Um, very strong in Protestant Christianity against uh, churches being involved or Christians being involved in politics. In fact, you know, it wasn't uncommon for certain seasons in the American Christianity um, for Baptists to oppose any Baptists from even holding even holding office. Now, that's of course changed now. But um, the the left side of the Reformation, the Anabaptists, um, which would include Baptists, um, you know, the the Amish, the Moravians. Uh, later the Churches of Christ, uh, many organizations like that, um, Mennonites, uh, you, you would have uh, an emphasis on the personal side of Christianity, on the small group, family, congregational level of practical Christianity, but definitely a move away from involvement in politics. Now, this was a reaction, of course, to how much the Protestant church was involved uh, in political affairs. And so that that trend influenced a lot of people over the centuries and has influenced a lot of churches and leaders today. Um, some genuinely believe that we ought not be uh, involved in the quote-unquote affairs of this world. Now, my view is, of course, the Reformed view, which is that Scripture calls us to be involved in government and politics, that there are some people who are called to, be, um, to run for office, to be what the King James Bible would call civil magistrates. Um, that this is honorable, that this is a calling, that some are as destined and as called to that as our pastors to the pulpit. Um, but of course, that should be done without neglecting uh, the private, personal, devotional side of Christianity. Yet this has been one of the big influences in our churches today, uh, especially in the evangelical churches. You'll find many pastors teaching their congregations, you know, let's not be involved in the affairs of this world. Let's not bring pa- politics into Christianity, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I think that's a false view. Um, you definitely don't want to turn our churches uh, into just you know political centers. At the same time, politics, uh, a reformational or reforming view of this world, a desire to address poverty, to right injustices, um, to speak out for the poor and the oppressed, etc. All of this is commanded in Scripture. So Christians really can't hide from the affairs of this world. Although I certainly can understand why we would not want to get into the, you know, dirty back room, smoke-filled room kind of dealings of a lot of political involvement. Uh, I'm very involved in politics, do a lot on the Hill in D.C., as many of you know, do a lot of consulting. 
Um, and yet I attend a church, you know, where we kneel and wash feet and take communion every week. And, and, um, and Bev and I walk out Christianity in very, very practical ways. So in my view, this is one thing that we've got to deal with. We've got to stop um, the, this, this uh, reactionary influence that came out of the Reformation that says to us that we should not be relevant. Uh, a second influence I, I want to say um, that I, I want to say it quickly because I, I don't want to go long on this podcast that I think is extremely important, and that is simply ignorance. The reality is that the average pastor, smart as he or she is, uh, as educated, as learned, as degreed, as well-read as they might be, they have a very hard time getting accurate information. And many, many a pastor, many, many a clergyman has said in conversations with me, has thrown up their hands and said, you know, I, I just don't know enough about these things to comment. Well, I understand, and believe me, I have to spend a lot of time and money uh, getting the information that I need and having people help me and experts teach me and so on so I can be the kind of influence I want to be. And so uh, I, I want to say to the average pastor or clergyman out there, you know, build structures within your church so that you can get educated. There are people called to this. Uh, I've recommended to some leaders that they have a small council of folks who pre-digest information from newspapers and magazines and, and even do a weekly email blast that the pastor reads first and gets educated on, and then it goes out to those interested in the church. Um, there are uh, those who can inform you. I know one pastor who, after I'd met with him and recommended a few approaches, had a small group of lawyers, and PhDs, college professors, and activists um, meet every week over breakfast with him and, uh, and help him uh, understand and think through the major issues of the time. It, it, would, it had a profound influence on the church. It didn't make it political, but it made the, pa- the pastor more articulate about these matters, better informed. There were some subtle uh, and, and uh, very, very wise uh, sort of activism started in the church. Uh, you know, I'm talking about addressing poverty, addressing local racism, working with the mayor in town, things like that. It was wonderful. And it all came out of having a breakfast once a week in which the pastor could meet from wise heads. And I want to recommend one other thing, too. Any church worth its salt um, certainly should be praying every week in its public services about the major issues in our society. These prayers do not have have to be and should not be partisan. But I think if a pastor doesn't feel competent doing it him or herself, then I recommend that they have uh, elders or people in the congregation who, are, who pray uh, in the services publicly for just a few moments about, you know, some of the hot issues in our society. Um, during Ferguson, there should have been prayers offered, and if the pastor doesn't feel competent making a quick comment and leading a prayer, then get somebody who, who, who can be trusted with that, who won't be incendiary, but who will pray. There should be a connection, not just with the, ch- the life and the culture of a church as a whole, but with the individual Sunday service between um, the people of God standing in the presence of God, worshiping God and hearing his word, and also intercession for what's going on in the society. Paul commanded this in First and Second Timothy, and it's implied in Scripture, and so it's something we ought to be doing. Now, in my next podcast, I want to talk to you about the, the, the weird way 
a law arose in America that prevents many churches from being culturally relevant. But let me just say, this is a crisis in conservative and evangelical churches. We do not want to turn our churches into centers of political activism in some uh, distorted way, but we must at least fulfill Scripture in being active in addressing wrongs and injustice and poverty in our society. We must be informed. We must help people understand things from the standpoint of a biblical worldview. Um, and we must pray, get informed, and certainly uh, battle an unbiblical pietism, yes, that's the technical word for it through the centuries, pietism that causes us to focus on the individual and congregational side of Christianity and neglect the national, the international, the, uh, the political side wherever we find it. This is the calling of church, to be salt and light in the world, and we need to take steps to not be seen to be retreating, and in fact, not to actually be retreating from the struggles of this life. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on CNN, Fox, and the Huffington Post. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and The Miracle of the Kurds. You can learn more about Stephen at stephenmansfield.tv and greatman.us and connect with him on Facebook and on Twitter under the name Mansfield Writes. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is produced by Isaac Darnell, who also wrote, performed, and produced the Rockin' Podcast theme song. Be sure to rate the Stephen Mansfield Podcast in the iTunes Store. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production.